0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org.
1: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. From Chicago, this is the cover covers. Of, I'm Avram Kivelovich.
0: I'm Kalman Warch.
1: Kalman, you know, we don't like doing two-part shows. Um, that's been sort of like an inevitable. A
0: lot of people know that you know that person, the God of the Everyone says he knows Torah, or or that so and so came out with the following proclamation about who should vote for whom. So so the names come out, but is not, there isn't real clarity on who is in charge and why. And th- there's no, there's no uh, election process, there's no, there's no um, process officially you can, and so what ends up happening is you've got all these different people in different institutions, different places, who are essentially in charge. And the question is, what's the process for how they become in charge, and is the process um, for, for um, the way that we um, uh, disseminate leadership today? amongst the Jewish people, is that a process that's the most beneficial for us? Or or do we have to look at the process the way that it is today? And I know we haven't talked about it, so it's all kind of vague right now. But, or do we have to look at it and say, maybe there's some elements, maybe the Torah can provide us with some perspective for how we should be doing this.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, the Torah, act, actually, if we start with Moshe Rabbeinu's own uh, request, according to Chazal, that his children should somehow lead after him. And Moshe seems to think that that makes sense. I mean, Moshe knows, especially if you go according to the Zohar and other sources, Moshe knows the essence of the neshama of almost everybody in Qal Yisrael. Uh, and somehow he has a achdus with them and recognizes what makes them special and significant. Uh, and you would think Moshe's being on of Mikol Odom wouldn't let his personal negiyas get involved. And yet Moshe seems to want his children to have the leadership role after himself now i
0: mean look, there are some who would read it that moshe actually felt that uh his kids were were capable at least capable enough um to to be able to lead somewhat right but but either way he's told otherwise he's told right, right. He's he's actually, told
1: other, so therefore it seems to be that itself you know the, the problems involved and why moshe would want it is really a secondary question. You're right, the main idea that I think one can get from there is it isn't in terms of go, being the Godel Hador or the main teacher of Claudius or as the way the Rambam says in the Hakdama the, the, the keys to the masora isn't dependent on being uh, trans, uh, transferring from parent to child. Now there are two
0: and, and logically it would be hard to justify that, right? I mean it'd be hard to say that we 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 are the reason we choose the next leader is for the person who can best help us transfer all the information. So why give it to someone? Why should that be inherited? I right. mean what's the logic at all, right?
1: Now I mentioned last week, I think, although I'm not sure if we developed it, that the Torah, however, does give uh significance to uh the lineage when it comes to the idea of Malchus and the idea of Kahuna. And there it would seem. Because it talks about with Zaro Acharov, al-kiso Bazaro Acharov, and by the Mishik of the Kohen Godel, also with Acharov. So there seems to be God seems to understand that certain institutions we need to see it as being bound together in the DNA. The same way the primal um, objective, so to speak, of being a human being is to procreate and push further into the generations. God matches that in terms of or he mixes Torah, uh, Malchus and Kohuna with that. Kohuna is clearly in the in the DNA of the Kohanim and with right? And and and, and the same thing is true in terms of Malchus. Um, and I think what happens, this is what I think here, you know, the issue is. I think what happens is that at certain periods there was a conflation of the main teacher of Claudius Rowe to the Melech of or right, not Kohanim, but but Kohanim Gedolim also at one time, as you know, in Bayisheini started taking Malchus type of, uh, not just from the Chashmonaim, but from in general, acting as Melech, and I think because of that, there was like, and, and as you know, we talked about this off the air that what was think about Rabbi Yochanan Menzakai, we've talked about Rabbi Manzakai, who was not uh, a descendant of. The, the nasi before him, he was not right. Yochanan Zakkai was not Yonasan Ben. He was not Yonasan Ben Uziel's um, uh, son, right? He was just the next great teacher. Uh, Yochanan Zakai asks uh, Vespasian to make sure that we have Rav Gamliel, right? So one can see in that that Yochanan Zakai recognizing that we don't have our own sense of malchus anymore there isn't any jewish uh, their own jewish kingship has been eliminated he wants to sort of transfer the glory of kingship to be completely in yavne and in the person who represents
0: the torah and and they do say for, for example um not everyone agrees with this but the idea that um that you were mentioning last time when we did discuss it that if you look at the zugos the Zugos, the pairs, as listed in Pirke Avos, goes from teacher to student to Kibom Mehem, right? It's it's who they received from. And then you get to Hillel and Shammai, and then all of a sudden after Hillel, it, it does go father to son, father to son, Shimon Gamliel, Shimon um, Rebhudanasi. And Nasi, and, and but we know, I know this is an oversimplification, but that that's really a response to the Romans appointing the Herodian dynasty and sort of saying that. Your king is now going to be this Edomite uh, puppet. So we kind of responded with our with our own sort of semi malchus. I mean, it's not, it's not like we picked uh, slouches. I mean, Reb and Gamliel as was not Rabbi Mayor, but Reb Shimon Gamliel was still Reb Shimon Gamliel. Uh, so, so, so they, that was a, that may have been for that situation, but if we can fast forward. how how, did the people still somehow hold on to that sort of use that as as saying well you see from this that leadership I I do want to point out before we go on and for those who are listening the difference between why, why there should be a difference between the leadership when it's in Torah transmission versus the leadership in Malchus I think it's important to point out because a king we're we're not used to The concept of a king. So we think of kings as just political leaders. They're not. There's something essential and different. It's like they're a different human being, the king. And so therefore, there's something that's needed in the DNA. I'm what, and the reason why I'm saying this is because even if we were to assume that there's somehow some concept of kingship that gets passed along in the rabbinate, we've lost all kingship today and it's more about the leaders and who the best leaders should be is who we appoint so and yet somehow we still held on to all these aspects of of nepotism i mean can, can i can i push you forward maybe a couple <laughs> of thousand years okay. if we bring it into the most previous millennia i don't know where you want to start from but but there's so from... many there's there's
1: two there's so many places we can uh, parachute into and see how there was a uh, there was uh, a lack of clarity about who should be the Manig and who should be the rishashiva, who should be the Rebbe. um, Let let me ask
0: you, if I may, I know you're the the historian here. Could you give us one example from, let's say, the Rishonim, one example from the Akronim, or maybe?
1: Okay, so we already sort of talked about the tanoim. We already sort of talked about how, you know, it was, you're correct, even before Yochanan and Zakkai, uh, there already been this idea of Hillel representing the Davidic dynasty. And although the, he, took, he takes over from the Bnei Beseira, there was an applause that he represented based David. And you're correct, as Jewish power waned, even though there had not been the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, having someone who sort of has the power of Melech in his veins was important. Um, but 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 I think what happens is is that after the Horbin, throughout the scoop of the Tanaim and Amaroyim, we, we get a situation for example in the beginning of uh, of, of the first period of the Amaroyim, you have Yehuda Nasia, who's no as you say like Shem and Gamil, no slouch but he would have to do a lot of homework and do a lot of cramming for him to stand with Rabbi Yochanan Shlokish together. Yet Rabbi Yochanan Shlokish did their utmost to be mechabed him as, okay, he's he's the Nasi, he's the Nasi. So what was interesting was, and I would say the same thing with Rabbi or Um and you can even see that, and I know I, I, I'm going away from your question, but you even see it with in, in, in Chazal, where Rabbi Gamliel, before things, <laughs> before things got toxic, between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, there was that beautiful Gemar Rosh Hashanah where he says that you are my Rebbe, and right, but Talmidai, right, right, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was an incredible period where you could recognize that look, Klapechutz. There needs to be someone who seems to be in charge because the community needs to see a figure that sort of has an artifice of Malchus with them. But there was a recognition that the real intellectual power was with Rebbe Yeshua, not with Rebbe Gamliel. And mm-hmm. the same thing I think is true with Yehudah Nasia and Rabbi Yochan Arish Lakish. The problem is, is that as we continue throughout the Doros, that it, it's such a subtle balance to be able to say, look, you know, look, I, I'm going to run the show and I'm going to be the official supposedly policy setter, but I need you for the brains and for the ideas and for the for the truth. Whereas the the, the human policy about the direction the people take, that's sort of a Malchus type of uh, bechina, which maybe even al and al makes sense, that you should have, you can almost say the same thing in the original yeshiva, if there was that, in Mitzrayim. There's Yehuda and Levi, right? You have Yehuda and Levi, there's Yehuda who's sort of like the, the Melech or Shishima, and Levi is obviously the one who's more tapped into the authentic Messara. So I just want to put that on the side. Okay, so now, thousand years later. All right, so let's uh, approximately. So w- w- obviously we have the Tzukufa Sagunim, right? So we know that there was a um, <laughs> the ga- the Gaonic yeshivas were being assaulted by weak the weakness of their leadership, uh, especially when it came to the fact that the Karites had, as you know. Uh, strengthen themselves, and and they were they had a great public relations campaign. First of all, they had a great origin story, right? The story of Anan, right? Well, what a beautiful origin story, right? So they were able to push that origin story, look what we we're about, and there was a certain freedom, and there was a certain simcha, the fact, hey, you know, we are, maf-, and, and, and they could always say. I, I, in general, I, I
0: always believe that the most attractive thing about it was the, that, that people are always told within Judaism that that you're stuck and limited to these um, very specific ways of thinking, and here's someone who, who throws at you basically like a reform kind of thing. No, no, you make Judaism how, how it sounds right to you, and, and, dump, me. and, to and dump me, and dump me
1: next in the next generation. You can dump me as well. That's what Anand that's said. Right. Yeah. Anand yeah. says you mafarish it, including what I just said. You can throw that out.
0: Yeah, so, right. So I, that's very attractive, and for people who don't have their fundamentals straight, you know, that's that's something easy to fall into. But remember, there's a secret. But are you story. suggesting that that's related to the leadership? Of course. That, that was a failure. Look, we, we, the, the, uh, the, uh, our
1: side of the story is Hanan is this frustrated Gaon who got passed over and decides he's going to create his own version of what learning is. And even though it's like Shimshon uh, bringing down the pillars on himself, even though it's true, what he's going to do is going to probably eliminate the possibility of his children becoming the leaders. He don't care because he is so frustrated that he's willing to destroy the system. And the fact that the karite schism had steam, despite the illogical aspect of it, shows you how powerful of a draw that was. And right. the Gaonim who were not into being creative, the Gaonim who basically saw themselves as the guardians of the old tradition, we are Sura, we are Pumbadisa, we are the Amarayim. I mean, the Gaonim, as, as the Rambam points out, you know, we're, were a nechos darga. not in their mind though. The Gaonim thought, as we reach what we call the, let's say, year 1000 or something like that. So the Gaonim thought that
0: they were you know what? I, 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 with all of that said, and I understand you've got your critiques. They brought things through, right? They they did carry things through. So by the time you get to the riff and the Rambam and the Rush, con, and in a, con, you got in the a got a, the material,
1: right? Look, if I I am sure that if I was able to speak to the Rambam, and he would say Kivilevich, come, we'll talk privately. Oh I'm at least the riff and he I, he I about got plenty. Right? I know, but but he would say they almost destroyed learning. I am sure he would say that to me. Because uh, I,
0: okay, because, but
1: let's... And the reason was was because everything had to go through them. In other words, they had to keep their hands on everything. So the Karaites really had a tremendous amount of critique on them. First of all, they weren't inventive. They weren't creative. They were just careholders. And the main thing was they didn't know Tanakh. And, 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 and that was what the Karaites uh, fled. Look how beautiful the mikra is. Mikra. The, the, so you're saying this is also being.
0: related to the idea of who, uh, of the leader is not necessarily being um, the ashkaylis, you know, the the sort of knowing everything, and
1: and therefore they were missing something that was essential to human spirituality. The same yeah, again, way. I'm
0: going to push you forward in time. Let's go forward. Okay. in wait, time. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. So they bring in Sadia. So Sadia is he's not mayor. He's not a son-in-law. He's not the son. He- Shrira and Hai is the usual way it worked. Shrira and Hai, right? But
0: you're picking examples that did work with Shri-ra, Shrira and Hai. and Hai
1: worked, but Sadhya was a proof that sometimes what we needed was someone who was not from the family, someone who had studied in the yeshiva, but someone who was what the time needed. So that's one example of where you see, should we change the system? Uh, let's go with the Rambam now. Let's go a couple hundred years later in the Rambam. The Rambam, of course, becomes. After his death, the most celebrated Risho, right, the celebrated leader in, in, in Yemen and in Provence and all these places, they are singing his hosannas and they are almost like right. But, what,
0: the Rabbeinu Moshe that's yeah. right.
1: Now, after the Rambam dies, the Rambam leaves. Uh, you know, an eighteen-year-old son who is a, 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 one of the most important, in my mind, uh, characters to understand. Rabbeinu Avram and Rambam, not one of the top rishonim in any way, shape, or form, but he takes on the title, maybe grudgingly, but eventually with a certain force, as the Negid, the leader of fastat Juri, whatever that meant. Now, his son, Rabdavid, also the Negid. To me, the Rambam would be happy that his son had Parnassa in some way, if he was doing something, although maybe he'd rather he'd be a doctor instead. Right? But the point is, once again, we see what's going on over here? You know, I don't know how, um, uh, how, how vi- vital Fostat Jewry was, but we know Ramman Arambam ended up locking horns with his community because he tried to institute Sufism, uh, a certain type of Jewish Sufism in terms of Avoda, which is a very interesting thing from my perspective to analyze. But he, believe me, he was not his father. And the
0: same well, thing- I, I think uh, even more to emphasize your point, the rambam's role wasn't just as the leader of jews in egypt the rambam was the leader of jews all over the world people have questions i mean look at the egerist hama right. so you don't see this same sort of if, if if the son of the rambam would have taken over we should have all these letters from the son of the rambam changing the world and we don't and right. we don't so so are you suggesting then um do you have a name that you would have that you would have um, recommended, so to speak for the next leadership well, look, One of the Rambam see. students maybe
1: you, we we have rabbi Yosef ibn ankin who of course right. is the right. is is the person who the rambam saw as the stellar personality of the next generation and he's just a footnote as a person who who, who gets the who's officially the recipient of the maranavuchem right. um, look you know however let's talk about let's what's in europe we have uh, in Provence, for example, we have the great Rosh Hashiva, Rab Avram Avbezdin, not the Rivad, but the Rav Avbezdin. And as you know, in your learning, that many times the names get mixed up. But there's more than a reason, just that they're similar. His son in law was Avram ben David, the faith, the Rivad, right? So here right. we have, I think, in the Rishonim period, an incredible uh, felicity where we have someone who is considered the great Provence, when Provence, of course, was the seat of, of enlightened Torah learning, as you know. right? The Meiri is only the a transcriber of those great ones before him. The Meiri is the last who sort of like you, you know, finishes the book because of persecution and everything that closed down. But even in terms of intellectual uh, power capability, he's just a, a, a malakit. The people that he sees as Gedolim of is the Rabbah Bezdin, the the Av Bezdin, uh right? And 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 then you have his son-in-law, who is the Raivad. And the Rivad is the true God and he is the son in law of the previous Godar, right? Now many people will say that there was perhaps jockeying for that girl, right? Because right,
0: there's well I, I just for the sake of our listeners, I think we should uh, expand on that just just for a second. Sure. Meaning that there's this little bit of a, a suggestion out there. That that the the that the Rosh Hashiva or the leader of the Jewish people, assuming his son is not in place to, to take over, so then but he still needs to groom the next leader. So uh, the wait, son-in-law okay, is. Okay, I, 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 I know I'm you, you're wait, correct. No, 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 but, it's, no. It's no, it's a little bit different.
1: But, but, but this, the point what, I'm making this, this, this is the idea, idea of son-in-law is another
0: option, right? Because but, it's, you're, but you're in
1: choosing way. a son. Right, That's right, the idea exactly, right. and in a way. It's a better option. In other words, basically, you have the Hamon expecting it to be, like you see in Fostat, it's going to be his son. Because they are, they are conflating with their lack of uh, sophistication, the idea of Melech and Rosh Hashiva, and why not? Let's put them together anyway. Okay. I'm okay and, and therefore, sons end up being more important than they should. Right, as long as they can yeah. maybe manage. Rabbi Vernov and Rambam is not a piker. He he knows his father's Torah well. He's a thinker. He's only 18 years old, and by the time he's even a bar mitzvah boy, his father is barely in the house, and he has very little connection with him. Doesn't make a difference. He is his son. With a son-in-law, however, we have this idea that the best, like the the women were so insignificant. Like you think you think that Rav Bezdin's daughter had didn't have much of a choice in that. She wasn't like Basta The Gemara says, actually, says, "No, I want this one and that one." I think what we know about women in the Middle Ages were that, especially the age difference between
0: men and women at the time. That yeah, I I don't know if this is our topic. And I wait, wait, but I disagree with you on that. I I think the girls, the girls ended up making the choice much more than But But, but that's another subject. No, but but okay. But I think whether it maybe it aligned
1: with the Rebbe. In other words, the father-in-law and the daughter-in-law. Was a better choice because you could choose your best student, and now what you have is the veneer of malchus. Oh, it's in the family. This is all part of the DNA because his child will be the grandchild of the original Rosh Hashiva. But that—that's what I think occurs. So instead of just saying meritocracy, which should have been the way the Rosh Hashiva and Lunil should have been uh, should have been picked, they should have said the best Talmud. They needed to overlay it. With and you will be my son-in-law. Sort of a little bit of throwback to um, David and, and Shaul,
0: right? There was something about that wasn't for the sake of Malthus, right? Shaul did not offer whoever kills Goliath will be the next king, but 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 I, I think that it's almost like a message from God that He's not going to let the previous kingship, so to speak, completely be severed, but at least let David be a son-in-law of Shaul. So that on some level, show is still going on. But, but let's push it forward another. Okay, another let's go. Five, okay. So, okay,
1: let's go a couple, 600, let's go 800 years, okay? Okay. So approximately. So again, the yeshiva that you know, that I consider like, I consider it alive here, here in uh, my little attic, right? Volosh and yeshiva, right? So here you have Volosh and yeshiva, started by okay, not I, 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 the Vilna Gon's children even though the Vilna Gon was not the rabbi of the city, but clearly, even at the end, towards the end of his life, everybody knew that the most important address in Vilna was not Rav Shmuel Tois or the, the, the official rabbi of the city, how choshev they were, here was a man who didn't have any official position at all, right? He didn't get paid any salary. He wasn't the rabbi of anything, but he was, this was the address. Right, right. By that yeah, that's it. I, I, I think
0: those are the ones who transcend all the politics. You know, the Vilni Gaim Reb Chaim Kanievsky. No one appointed them. No one elected them. They didn't have, people just knew they're the greatest. They're the right, best out right, there. Right, right. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, you know, similarly to
1: today, where you have many, many great thinkers and scholars, uh, people who can write incredible svarim, but everybody knows the God of is Reb Chaim Kanievsky. Everyone knows he's the Sarataira. Right? He is the God of and and, and and there's no question about it, okay? And, right now. So you ever? People knew that about the Vilna too. Even in a door that that you have. Rav and Aybishitz and, right, and, and, right. and, 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 and Emden. I mean, these men are, are giants, and they're both trying to. They're they're both trying to to the, position, should be
0: Erudah is in the world. So the, be right. they're, they're the trying world. to position. The to right. They're
1: trying to position themselves. Who's who's the Vilna going to come out on whose side, right? right. And all of a sudden, Rav and Emden says, "Oh, it's a forgery. That letter can't be from the Vilna The, the grow wouldn't have written that letter. Who cares?" He's 20 years younger than you, and yet these old rabbis are all jockeying to saying, no, the Vilna Gon likes me. The Vilna Gon says I'm right, right? Which really shows mm-hmm. you that, and as you said, Rav Chescolando, who also, I mean, those four names right away, you could spend your whole Torah life being involved with Rav Vilna, Rav Yaakov Ben Svi Emden, uh, Rav Yonis Amsh, I don't know, I forgot his father's name for a while here, and, and, and Rav Yachos and yet the Vilna if, if you take a vote, Vilna number one, right? <laughs> which is which is incredible. Okay, so the Vilna at the end of his life, uh, gives over to his Talmud, who is not his son, uh, the idea, uh, how important it is, that whatever he got from him uh, needs to be uh, built into a school. There needs to be a school of the derech of the Goim, because... The the Goyne understood, although he was not a politician, and he didn't want to make change, actually, he realized he wasn't the personality to do that, although he was a very strong-willed person, that learning has to change, and therefore... Rav Chaim, who is a a neman to the Derach of the Vilnagon, is going to start a yeshiva, which he eventually does, which is the Voloshan yeshiva started in the beginning of the 19th century, closed towards the end of the 19th century, and this is the yeshiva that is the most um, famous yeshiva in Europe. It's the Lithuanian jewel. It's the place where even Hasidusha, Bachram uh, come. It's the the mother
0: of every yeshiva today.
1: Yeah, so that's Voloshan. So, okay, Rav Chaim, not the son of the Vilnagon, but the starter of the yeshiva, of course, as the schluss. There, there was actually, by the way, parenthetically, there was, I heard this from Rev., Rev. Shmuel Yaakov Weinberg, of that there was an Alta Almana who was, was, was very wealthy, and she left in her tzavo that all these monies should be under the control, the stewardship of the Godo Hador. So there was a, they, just, they needed to decide who the Godoador Hador was. And there was a Besden that was convened to figure out who in 1808 or wherever it was, who the God of Ador was. There were three candidates. There was Revki Veger, who was at that time sort of like the next Villeneuve in terms yeah. of, right? There was Revki Veger, right? There was um, Rev Mordechai Benet. Who, as a rov, was in Moravia, was like a, a tremendous influence in his community, much more. Berkoviger hadn't posed him. Berkoviger was was clearly the place. Yeah, Rav
0: R- R- Mordechai Benet was much more worldly. Yeah. So yes.
1: Basically. and he he put his stamp on this community, and right. And the right. third one was Rav Chaim Volozhinar. So they were machria that the money should go to Rav Chaim Volozhinar, right? And it, it, it's posh it that in terms of power of learning, Rav Chaim Volozhinar Pales in comparison to Ricky Vega, right? Ricky Vega, and again, I'm not Levi. I would be a tenth or a hundredth of Chaim Beloshner, but. Rav Kideger was clearly the great mind of learning, and you can see that, that he is the Koveya, along with the Ktois and the Sivas. Those three men were Koveya, what learning was about in the 19th century, not uh, what's in uh, the it was from Rav Chaim. But Rav Chaim is the God Ador. So Rav, why? Because he has the yeshiva, which has most of the learning. Most of the Torah learning is what he does, creates more Torah learning inherently in human beings on an on a actual level than the others. Now Rechaim dies. Who takes over? So the Rosh Hashiva after him was Rabbi Yitzchuk. Okay, so his son. That's his son. His son, of course, is a very a brilliant man, probably smarter than Rechaim in many ways. A sharper, much more involved in understanding human beings and politics and things like that. Uh, again, we don't have much from him, just the Pek Kadesh and some other... Uh, yeah, uh, his I, comments
0: on an Abshachayim.
1: Yeah. Right, Of course, he and he helps edit it and put it together, and obviously, he's not he's no slouch. But then, the big issue what he does incredibly is he increases the size of the Veloshin yeshiva by four times. So now you have not only the Vilnagons, you know, yeshiva in a sense, but the greatest yeshiva, and it's now at its height who takes over as the Rosh Hashiva? Now, obviously, the, the person also, by the way, just I want to mention Veloshin was a yeshiva town, and because of that, um, the uh. What, being a Rosh Hashiva meant you were the rabbi of the city as well. Most of the people in the town, like right, it was like Las Vegas in a way, abdul a million abdulays. But it's all about the casino. It's all about the yeshiva, right? So you have these balabatim.
0: It's who, still true of uh, certain towns, you know. But, right. Uh, you know Scranton. Scranton became about the yeshiva, and that's it, right? The Torah part, in other words, the people, but he, right, the but community, Volosh- the whole thing right, was Volosh- about right. But Voloshin,
1: I would assume a guy who lived in Voloshin knew about the yeshiva as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, by him, the yeshiva was because because it, it afforded there was no dormitory, so basically uh, what happened was you, the balabatim would get money, so you would have money as being a boarding house. That's the way the balabatim got money right. from the yeshiva. Point being is that you were the Rav of the city and the Rosh Hashiva at the same time. All right. Who takes over when Rabbi Itzala dies? Okay. So he has two son-in-laws, or Tzela Fried, Naftali to Berlin, the Nitzv. So who takes over? Who takes over as as, as the Rosh Hashiva? And he has two son-in-laws, right? So maybe it should be this one. So officially when he dies, there are co-Rosh Hashivas, right? That's what they decide, the two Rosh Hashivas. Um, and, um, and 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 there's there's a lot of tension here about this. Why should these two men be the Hashiva, right? Especially people felt the Netziv, who was sort of like it's it's incredible to think about this. But at the time, he was
0: like a a quiet fellow. Nobody right, saw it, people didn't know that the Netziv was the Netziv. They thought he was just some nice guy, yeah, a nice Masmid who learned.
1: They didn't think that there was much to him, and they said, "He's the Rosh Hashiva. We, we are producing geniuses who could be Rabbeim who are able to say beautiful Torah." And right, and 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 especially what happens is is that Rav Chaim's great. Eventually, well, I want to get to that in a second, but eventually, the, 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 what happens is is that the the, the, the nativ Always really had a hard time as a son-in-law of and, and the, the younger son-in-law of asserting himself. When Rav Eitzek dies, the Netziv becomes the for Sheshiva and they bring in the great grandson of Rav Chaim V'lozhner, who is we know him as the Beis Halevi. So the great grandson versus the why the husband of Rav Chaim's um, granddaughter. Uh- so here you have these two Rosh Hashivas together in the middle of the 19th century, the Nitzvah and the Beis Halevi. And once again, there is this uh, there's this issue. The, the, part of the problem with the Nitziv is that he had to spend a number of years proving that he indeed was intellectually capable to be the Rosh Hashiva, that he was chosen not just because he was a nice guy. But that was the that was the the complaint that he who, who is he because the daughter married him that means zero and that was part of why the push went not for meritocracy because they always mention how the Beis Halevi was a great grandson of Chaim but I I really believe Kalman that it was considered a secondary factor. The main thing was that Beis HaLevi is the brains. And nobody can match him intellectually. He was sharp and brilliant. The po the Chassidim the Shabacham loved him. Everybody loved him because he was a Mefalpo. He was brilliant. He he was able to fuse Pilpil and Gaonis uh, at the same time and, and in a way
0: that the Nitsiv wasn't able to do. Right. Gave- almost, almost feeling like what they looked for, what they went, they went to meritocracy, meaning let's find the biggest Tamil Chacham, And we'll just put a condition, and he's got to be somewhat related in order for it to somewhat fulfill the the thing. But as long as it, it's he's not a complete stranger, we'll put right. him over the son-in-law who right. right. Uh, and, right. And, and and that's exactly that's exactly the um, but it feels like when they're doing that, that they're aware of what they're doing. Right? Likely. And I, to me, right. that's, that's so important that they realize you know what? We are kind of looking for meritocracy, but we're going to try to keep it within. Right. And, 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 and what happens
1: later, after the, you know, the, without getting into the whole machlaikas between the two, the base Halevi leaves and the Tiv wins. And I think eventually, in the Jewish world, after he publishes the Schultes, people see that no, this man is something. This man is somebody of of, of extreme um, thoughtfulness and and, and brilliance, uh, in his own way. In, in some ways, I think, I think if if and the proof is, I think you'll agree with me, that if you look in terms of how many times uh, Nitziv Svarim. Are quoted today versus how many times the Beis Halevi's farmer quoted today? I think the Netziv historically has one.
0: I don't think that's a fair comparison. You know, the Beis Halevi's commentary on the Torah is difficult. No, no, right, right, right.
1: The... I'm talking about the Truvis Beis Halevi. So even though the truvis Beis Halevi are considered things, the its Nitz- people at the time thought the Netziv could never even would never be able to write such profound, uh, like, uh, brilliant things. But I think today's generation. You, you can see the preponderance of quoting Shultais and, and, and things which you yeah, don't I, see. I, I hear
0: that, but, but again, bringing I it mean, back to, to I am. Point. my point.
1: My, my point is, you're right. At the time, this was the issue. Nitziv is only a son-in-law. The Beis Halevi is the most brilliant person. Let's go with him. The Beis Halevi leaves. The Nitsiv incredibly takes as a semi-son-in-law Rav Chaim. Right, who was the Beis Halevi's son? Right, it was his Nitziv's granddaughter who marries, but Nitziv referred to him as his Adim. And once again, in, in, in the in the in the eighteen eighties, then or eighteen seventies, when the yeshiva almost at the time was closing, you have the. I mean, that, that is the next. That,
0: that's the next right. big genius,
1: right? Right. That is right? right, and here you have this incredible mind
0: that was unparalleled, bigger than his father, and and yet. I, and I, I want to point out, that when we say genius, we don't just mean the person who was who was just intellectually the smart. Because many people will go, well, why should the smartest person be the Rosh Hashiva? What we mean by that is leadership and knowledge and understanding. Charisma. The ability to give that over. The, the, the package, but, 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 but pulled by this um, incredible talent uh, and ability to understand and learn and teach Torah. I mean, that's right. the primary right. role. Oh, right? Okay, right. So there was... It, it, I'm just clarifying the right, terms. Right. I, I think when people say genius, you know, just because someone's smart doesn't mean right. It right. means that they're smart and they're the good kind of smart and they know how to use it. Something right. different than has been
1: up until this point, and something that is, is so unique, but at the what's same time. They, they right. it's, right. it's unique, but it can also fill the need of what was necessary. Like Einstein in terms of understanding what the scientific world needed
0: to know at the beginning of the 20th century. The idea yeah. of going... R- 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 Rabbi I I know if we start you on Balazhan, we'll be here all day. Wait. I'm going to uh, push you. Wait. We've got to go into modern times. Okay, and so we- what happens though, however, is that Nitzib is very unsuccessful
1: in bringing his son in. He would like his son, Mayor Berlin, to be the Rosh Hashiva, right? The students, you vote with your feet, right? And in Balazhan, Unlike the yeshivas of today, the students were very empowered. The students had a lot of control about how things would happen, and they did not like uh, Rav Mayor Berlin. Although we have this period of who should be in charge. Um, now, let's go to the modern era, where we also have an example of it that I was a witness to, um, and that is the which is now the largest yeshiva in the world. I think. Although I, I, I'm not sure if Lakewood or Mir, but let's assume that both of these giants, uh, I, I'm going to give Mir uh, the higher, the upper hand, because it's an Eretz Yisroh, and because it, it represents Yerushalayim. Okay, so Mir and Yerushalayim, everybody knows what it is now is not what it was. I mean, it turned into something now. Um, when I came to Mir in 1977, Mir was the American option. But there was Hebron and there was Ponovich. And Mir was one of the big three or four. I think you'll agree that Mir has become, has mushroomed into something much bigger than just an option. It's in a way, Mir Yeshiva is probably the main Yeshiva in the world today. Despite the fact that Panovich and et cetera, Mir has, has, has become that. All right. So, but when I was there, this Mir, which had not yet become Mir, uh, who's who's running the yeshiva? Who's running the yeshiva? Um, so I came after Reblazer Yudel had died. The reshiva was Rav Chaim Shmulevitz. Once again, Reblazer Lezer Yudel picks the best. Rav Chaim, Picks Rav Chaim Shmulevitz. I have to say that Reb Lezer Yudel's daughter, I interacted with her quite a bit because I would see her. She ran the show. She cooked on Shabbos. I was in her house a number of times. So I would assume that this wasn't just you're marrying her, right? You're marrying. This is what's happening.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's whatever would happen. I, well, I, I. But the thing is, you know, when we talk about son in laws, because it's not just genius, but also because their personalities, they they were interesting to the girls as well, not just to the the future students are interested in these in these charismatic personalities because they're actually, um, charismatic, right?
1: And Rav Chaim, in many ways, I think, was his father-in-law superior. Despite the fact that Blazer Yudel, you know, was a uh, he was the son of, of the altar, I believe, right? He was the altar's was the altar's son, right? He was the altar's son. But the um, the uh, Rav Chaim was something unique. He was a, a blend of Rav Shimon's brilliance and also really a, a Bucky baki uh, Um And okay. That makes sense. So even though Lazar Yudel has children, yeah, he's the Mashkiach. He does something else. He, Chazap is the Mashkiach. But it was clear the son in law representing this that meritocracy that he's the Iker. Now, Rav Chaim was Nifter. OK. The problem there was that Rav Chaim had, had chosen the heir apparent. Now, you could argue that Rav Nochem Partsovich, Rav Nochem Trucker, did not have Rav Chaim's qualities. And there were many people, even in my time, that said, "Hmm, he's definitely the greatest, and he can definitely do analysis better than anyone." But he doesn't have the complete heck of, of kolatairakula that Rav Chaim does. Now, as Rav Chaim walks in, you're talking about a mind like the Beis Halevi. You're talking about someone who knows everything and is incredible. And as his, as you can see from his children, that Rav Chaim like, carried within him the genes of. Of, of, of real genius. Rav Nolchem Trucker, his son-in-law, was a plugger, a worker, a, a a masmid like the chazonish in a certain way, right? To the point that, he, who knows, he might have accelerated his illness, you know, because of course he had MS and other things. And his, his intense concentration pushed himself to the point that unfortunately he was a broken person. So so when I was in Mir, we all knew that Rav would have been the heir apparent and I heard stories about how when he first gave his shirkloli, everybody stood up as if they were coronating the melech. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to even walk to give the shirkloli anymore, and he was confined to a wheelchair. And because of that, although he was, in a way, the choice, he couldn't really be the active of a So there were other daughters. Now, one of the other daughters married a chevner, a sharp-looking, frock-wearing, really dashing type of person, uh, you know, Rabitsa Khazrahi. So but who right? But I remember that when Rabitsa Kazrachi got up to give the shmooze, they shut the lights on him. I was there when the Bokram decided to someone went because they heard Rabitsa Kazrahi, who they felt was just some heavener that they pulled into the yeshiva, was a son-in-law that wasn't worthy of being a son in law. That was a son in law that was chosen not by Rav Chaim. It was chosen because I can tell you he was not the sheer coma of, of Rav Chaim or Rav Nochem. He was a good looking, Geshmaka personality. He was a sweep you off your feet schmoozer, yeah. the opposite of Rav Nochem. And yet he's the son in law. There's another son in law, Mayor Khmer, Mayor Weiss. Who had a yeshiva? Uh, I forgot where he was. He was in. in, in um, so, Rabbi Yitzchak No, there was. We're not taking him. Right? We're not going to take him at all. So, um,
0: so, so you, you're giving me an, an interesting example. I, I, I think it's a, it's a great example of the way that things should be, which is that the greatest experts on who should be the next leader is not the previous leader or fellow leaders, but the people being led, the people being led have the best understanding of what it is that they're looking for, which is why democracy is so popular in the world. So, 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 but, but you're saying that in the yeshiva world, that's a, that's an exception though. That's very rare for that to happen, right? I mean, you're giving me an example of where it did happen, but but okay. that's not uh, the way it typically uh, uh, happens.
1: I, I will tell you that it's. I think it's part of an Israeli... Um, a chutzpah mentality that that is, that especially students that were born after that Knesset Medina have, which is and, and I think they assimilated from the zeitgeist of Israel, which is sort of like in a way, you know.
0: Well, you uh, tell me Velazquez did it. So if if Volusian did it, it can't be completely uh, uh, and, and and modern influence, right? Well, if the, if the students.
1: It doesn't happen in America though. That's the problem. The American guys, despite. Them being intellectually, in, you know, wanting, curious, and probing, they've accepted that you know who should be their Rosh Hashiva. Lakewood, let's say Lakewood. So here we have in Lakewood. So we have Rabbi Rucham Olshan, who is a wonderful talmud a Gishmaka person. Is he married? He's an Aden by Rabduyv, right? Right. Now, right. Rabduyv, he's a, a grandson-in-law of Aaron Okay. So really had. Rabdoiv himself is really an incredible story. Rabdoiv should have been Rosh Hashiva in Lakewood. Rabdoiv was actually sent to start Philly. Rabdoiv was actually I believe the Rosh Hashiva that Rav Aaron chose him because Rabdoiv was an Ili from Europe and Eretz Yisrael uh, a, a tremendous Balmach Shava, a Makubel in many ways. He was very into Chokhmah HaSaid but also uh, a brilliant thinker an un of a really amazing combination of things. And Rabdiv had his marriage <laughs> somehow not become unraveled, would have clearly been the next Roshheb in Lakewood. Rav Schneir, who was a beautiful human being, a sweet human being, couldn't measure, couldn't hold a candle in learning to Rabdiv. But Rabdai, because he gets divorced, so what happened when divorce becomes more common? So the fiction of I'm choosing my successor because I'm choosing my best student falls apart because once, oh, I'm not the son-in-law anymore. Wait, but I should be, I was the son-in-law. No, you're not anymore. So somehow Rabdov gets shunted aside and there is no Rosh Hashiv in Lakewood. And he's you know, running on Talmud in Eretz role, but he can't become Rosh Hashiv Lakewood, which would have made the most sense, right? Because he was, right? Because that would have been like the Ravid for Rav and the Rivad. That would have been like Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim uh, Shmulevitz and possibly Rav Nochem. But this didn't work. So in Lakewood, what you, have, what you have is a power vacuum, and they end up putting there Rav Schneir, who is basically a caretaker, a wonderful human being, but basically a caretaker who sort of builds the yeshiva. There's no this farm from Rav Schneir in learning. Again, He knew how to give his share Chloe, of course, if he needed. So now you have Rav Malkiel as the Rosh Hashiva, right? You have Rav Malkiel, Cutler as the Rosh Hashiva. Now, Rav Malk- if, if you would, if Malkiel Cutler would not be Malkiel Cutler. His name was Malkiel Warch or Kivalevich, right? And he would be uh, one of the lights in the Bismedrish. And they would give out bechines, and they would go around. Would Rav Malkiel Cutler have been Zoha to be the, like, the the head of the yeshiva? Right. Here is an example of what happens. Right. What happens is now, how much does Rav Malkiel really affect five thousand people? I don't know, but officially, you know, as as, as, as time goes on, Rav Malkiel, I, I again, Rav Yerucham. Is only able to get in because he's he's Reb Dov's son-in-law, right? And and I don't know why Zvulun Schwartzman, I guess, didn't want to be Rosh Hashiba, right? I, right? Mm-hmm. He, he he wanted to stay in Eretz Yisrael, but it was offered to Reb Zvullen because he had the Cutler genes uh, in in his head.
0: I, right. so, I I want to push back a little a little bit because. I do want to give, I know we're almost out of time, but I do want to give a little bit of a defense of, of this nepotism business. I, I'm not a fan of it either, but, but to a certain extent, I think there's two benefits and I'd like you to respond to both of them if, if I can. Number one, appointing a son or a son-in-law, even if they're not deserving, um, which I agree happens um, more often than the other way. Number one, what you do have is a system that you can at least control, meaning, because then you don't have a competition for who's the best student in the yeshiva, because you're limited to a certain extent. So you can maintain a certain level. You can maintain a system. And, and number two, from a, I, I want to try maybe from a Kabbalistic perspective, maybe the fact that you're taking a, a son or, or a grandson is is carrying on the genes of, of that first Rosh Yeshiva, and to a certain extent, able to carry on a certain merit or, or spiritual power that carries on through the children and grandchildren. Although I, I do agree that's a weak argument, but if you combine that with, with the first argument, which is that that's a way of keeping it from being a free-for-all, it, could that be a defense of, of what's happening? Yeah, again,
1: I, the question really is, though... Um... You know, it doesn't really matter. I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, when you have a yeshiva that gets so large, um, does, does it really register who
0: is running the show? Well, I uh, think it does. Because, well, I mean, what if we had, what if Lakewood today had a real Rosh and, and again, compared to me, they're all going to go in, guy in it. But, but, but in terms of what's out there in the world, if Lakewood yeshiva would have that real God, I think it would be a much greater yeshiva. It yeah. would be much more respected. It would be much more honored. People would who, who's sending their shilas to Lakewood, right? The biggest yeshiva in America. No one's sending their questions there. No one's looking to yeah, people within Lakewood, but it it doesn't. I mean, anyone who's outside of it kind of looks at it with their nose in the other direction. Um, so who knows? Uh, you're saying it doesn't matter. I think it does. I think if we'd have, if we would have those Russian Hashivas, I think American jewelry would be different. Could be.
1: I, I think there's, there's a, there's two things that I think have changed, and we can end up with this. One thing is, is that the numbers have become so large that it's one thing when you have, like, when I came to Mir, we had 300 guys. So there are, the person who's running the show made a difference because there was an impact to at least 200 of the 300 people, right? Today, when things are so large, the impact is is really diffused because you know that you're not going to be able to control that. And Voloshin never had anything close to a 1,000 people. And yet we talk about it as if it's this incredible Camelot of learning. And yet, you know, it had 400 guys, maybe, maybe. Perhaps the number, right, the tells, all these big yeshivas. So I think the numbers create a diffusion of being able even to be macabre. I'm an elitist, as you know, and I believe that these numbers, in a way, create a situation where it's not only unwieldy, but there isn't the sense of understanding by the populace of what's great and what's not.
0: Yeah. You know, again, at this point, we're gonna we're gonna run into a new subject, which is the size of yeshivas. Right. But 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 but, but, I, but I think in terms of impact, they're having impact on whoever they're having impact. The, the Rosh Yeshiva is still the Rosh Yeshiva, and his primary students are okay. still his primary okay. students in whatever yeshiva. You're in. The second
1: thing that's happened is the global interconnectivity and the access to information has empowered people, hamoyin. I'll include myself and others, but definitely people that are, let's say, part of the Velt, who are looking for leadership, it's empowered them in a way that they push back. There was a time where the gap was extreme, and you could say, Misham haroli Yisrael. Today, there's so many of the Balabatim. That are have enough learning, or have enough learning on their on their fingertips, or can turn to other avenues that they become skeptical of what they're hearing. So I think we're in a door where it, we're, we're we're more cynical about what we're hearing from, and we are also able to respond. Even though again, there was a glory era of Rav and Rav Arun, but the difference between this the 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 lockstep balabus then. And the and the Gaon and the Rav was much wider than it is today.
0: Yeah, I I, I hear what you're suggesting. I, I, don't, I don't I think that that's actually the result of of the process we're describing. I think that the um, if you look at the leadership of the Jewish community in the last 20 years, just the last 20 years, the leadership of American Jewry has been. I, I hate to use the word pathetic, and, I, and who am I to talk? But it's been pathetic. It really has. And I can as as someone who's a subject of these leaders, I'm I'm terribly disappointed by look at Corona. Like the, the, the rabbis all ran into their little caves and hid Khas just uh, talk to the doctors, let the doctors tell you what to do. And like zero leadership came out, and it's because you know we've we've lost we're awesome And and I, I do I do think that you're right that much of this is because we um, we d- took away the power of the choice of the leaders from the people, and instead it was given to the people in charge or the people who believe themselves to be in charge and we 're kind of running in a sort of spiritual um, spiritual uh, dictatorship um, uh, based on you know, the elitist um, regime creating uh, or holding on to power with uh, with their Whatever they but, have
1: But it's almost like Corona's pointed out, the emperor almost has no clothes, because so many people are finding their own, either online or other places where, okay,, you know, like whatever's going on there is not affecting me. Whereas, you know, I, I think look, clearly Ramesh Feinstein's death uh, in America left an incredible halal, right? Everybody will still tell you from the '80s, like, what happened? part of it was bowing to what was going on in Eric's throw. Was, there was almost an idea that Rav Moshe was this incredible giant and America wasn't even worthy of his greatness, but they realized that he was this great giant. So when Rav Moshe's nostalgic it's almost like okay, America. You anyway. Yeah, you had
0: your chance. Now it's right, back. Right. In
1: other Russia. words, you're any, this is what you are anyway. So of course, you know, kowtow to what's the Godot women are in Israel, right? So, so I think you know, and, and and you see that you see that in terms of Rafa Mazalman, Rav Yoshev and, and others that they become you know the Godot America. It was almost like Rav Moshe. Was able to enchant even the Bnei Yerushalayim. Rav Yashev used to say himself, "Only Rav Moshe could pass it on this." And Rav Yosheb said
0: this when he himself was considered a Mood and in Eretz So I, I think that's and, 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 and as you pointed out before, that whole era, Moshe of Yaakov, you know, either Schwab or Hutner, that whole they, like their politics or don't like their politics. These were giants, and they were they were true leaders. Yeah. Hundred and
1: but remember. They were, and I think this is true. Sociologists, I think, will bear me out. They were leading a smaller group in a sense, and a less educated group, a less chutzpahdik group, a less sophisticated group.
0: I I disagree. I think that people needed to be less chutzpahdik because they were actual bona fide leaders. And the, the people we have today, unfortunately, the most people do behave like sheep. That's another thing that we learned during Corona is that basically 75% of people will just do exactly what you tell them to do, even if it's to walk off a cliff. It, it's a, it's, it's, a, and I think that's the problem, not so much the education, as much as we just don't have the, the giants who could rally. I think no matter how large the group, someone like Rabbi Akiva can run 24,000 students and have a connection with everyone.
1: And again, obviously, he's someone who was just Akiva and Yosef from Mishpachas Geirim, and and he. Yeah, begun, no, I agree.
0: That's uh, that's, that's. However, even
1: master. right, but again, when but when there was a question who would run the yeshiva, they knew who Rabbi Kiva was. Yeah, but, did, but, he, yeah, but but, yeah, but there point. was he a... Didn't
0: yichas, right?
1: They didn't have the yeshiva. Well, someone who definitely has the yeshiva, and maybe who knows? Maybe he will still be crowned as the manig. <laughs> of at least the Illinois Center for Jewish Studies and beyond, my Chavrusa, Rabbi Kalman
0: Warch and my Chavrusa, the uh, who I appoint as the rosh yeshiva of the current Vilasen yeshiva um, <laughs> that resides the they reside somehow in
1: the in, in the cloud that uh, circles my house here. Vilasen uh,
0: lives in your heart.
1: <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.